welcome to this episode of Ascend and Transcend. I'm your coach, Elizabeth Pearson, and today's guest is Dr. Reverend Aaliyah Mahone. And I was really looking forward to this conversation with her because it's all about racial healing. And Dr. Mahone is a chief inclusion officer for the Shift Network. She's the founder of the Next 50 Years Project, and she periodically teaches cultural intelligence and social emotional learning. She's really somebody who I was able to get incredibly candid with in this conversation. I told her, you know, I was going to ask her some quote unquote, ignorant white woman questions. And she was graceful and compassionate and very helpful as far as giving some answers. Cause I don't know about you, but as a cisgendered, able-bodied white woman living in Southern California, I feel like there are lots of questions around how to handle certain situations, what to do, what not to do. And she was this wonderful volunteer to help educate me. So hopefully everybody can get some insights from it. I even asked her, you know, how do I make more black friends? Really baseline stuff that I think we might be too scared to ask ourselves or ask, you know, the people of color in our lives. So thank you to Dr. Mahone. Please listen in. I know you're going to grab some insights from our conversation. Dr. Leah, thank you for joining us today. It feels like this is a really important and relevant topic right now, the idea of how we can support racial healing, both externally and internally. You say that it's really the job of the person and forging a deeper connection with their soul to be able to kind of prompt this visibility to our own biases, our own racism, and that will eventually lead to racial healing, correct? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, yes, fantastic. I love the question. So let me start by saying that I think that the evolutionary life path that's possible now in the 21st century, we used to have a revolutionary life path where we felt that we had to have revolutionized everything. And revolution is usually about pushing back on something because we don't want it to be any longer and we want to replace it with something else, which is a fantastic thing to do. Evolutionary approaches to things means that we take responsibility for creating what we want and that that's the focus and the thrust behind our activity. And so regarding racial healing, it's both an inside job and an outward expression of how we're guided to be involved. And the reason why that's important is because anything that's meaningful, that really is important for toward making our lives as individuals or collectively better, requires both those two things operating together. It's like both sides of your intelligence. So, you know, I have a coaching program called Soul Technology. And when I first came up with the name of it, and I'm sort of jumping around here, but just to give you some context, you know, people said, well, that's interesting to put the word technology with soul mm-hmm. or the word soul with technology. And it's because I want 200% of life and 200% of our considerations and our potential to come forward. And one is one side of our intelligence, which is what we're used to, what's out in the world, the constructs that exist around us. And the other one is the inward focus that people are getting in touch with by leaps and bounds these days of understanding that our growth potential 
should be guided by our internal wisdom. And so doing racial healing work from internal wisdom, as well as the action or the the social activism that we're accustomed to, is really the order of the day. Because here's one thing that I want to really get across. We have never really done racial healing work before. So we're going to need to do it as if we are learning as we go. And because we haven't done it before, we have to be inspired by our own highest wisdom as to what is possible and then seek to do it. In other words, it's going to be trial and error and trial and error takes intuition. Yes. You know, everything. And I'll say one last thing, because I like to answer the questions in a short fashion, but this one feels longer than usual. Love it. Everything that's ever been discovered, you know, all of those inventions, all of those people that we can look to that have brought certain information and knowledge to us as a human species, those things were inspired from inside. They did not come from the world around them. We may have used the world around them or us to uh, arrive at what it is that we had to bring forward, but the virgin inspiration was actually a product of what I call your soul intelligence. And so I'll stop there. No, I love that. And I couldn't agree more. I think I love how you called out that it's got to be, you know, kind of a melding of both internal and external work. I think some people might kind of almost get into this paralyzation of inaction because they're like, well, um, I just want to do everything on the outside right? And maybe it's just to support a certain image they have. Maybe it's to look like they're walking the walk as far as being, you know, anti-racist, but then they're not really taking the time to sit with their feelings and really have awareness of some biases that might live within them. And I think with George Floyd's murder, it sparked a lot of external action, right? It was like the first responders, everybody wanted to run to the street and really show how this affected them. And that was across racial lines. But I don't know, you know, if that internal work happened. And I can speak for myself as well, you know, having my babies out there and marching. And But, you know, we talked about what had happened at home, but really sitting with it, like in a meditation or creating a safe place to have these tough conversations didn't really happen okay. until much later. And so I love how you really emphasize that some of this work is going to be done in a bit of a vacuum with your soul. And then it can be supported mm. with external actions as well. Absolutely. I mean, it can go either way, meaning that you can do the internal work first mm -hmm. and go outward, or you can go out and then do the internal work second, or you can do it simultaneously. So for me, I feel that I do it simultaneously. And so here's what I mean by that. When you and I first met, and I'm really happy that you know in my life, thank you for that. I had a sense of you. I felt you. You know how young people will say, I feel you, mm -hmm. right? And especially in my neighborhood as an African-American person, somebody who identifies as Black in the United States, to say, I feel you is a part of the vernacular. But it really does mean something to me because I feel my way through life. I can tell energetically from the sense of certain vibrations, or I don't know what words that people are accustomed to using in terms of describing this, but we all have a kind of radar <laughs> that mm -hmm. that uh, we can sense. And 
we walk into rooms sometimes and we feel drawn to certain people. And at other times we feel repelled by other people. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? It's because that sense of knowing is coming from inside of you. Uh, and so therefore, when I'm doing racial healing work, like for example, somebody will ask me a question and you did at the beginning of this talk. And I took a long time to answer. It felt like it was a roundabout way of answering. But I was actually feeling through what it is that I was hearing, almost like a split second before it came out of my mouth, needed to be said to give the context. It's like somebody who's a really good public speaker, for example. I'm just pulling in another place because people are oftentimes fearful of public speaking. And they have notes and they get really prepared and all of that's fine. But the best public speakers are the ones that can carry it from understanding that they're being told, sort of told inside yes. what needs to come next. They go in new directions because they can feel that that's the direction that the group needs to have them go in. Yeah, We can feel things in the world around us. It's very natural. And as a mother, for example, we always have a kind of radar for our children around us. And we can tell when, not always, sometimes it would be great if we could tell in every instance when something is going on with that child, like they're a little bit out of sorts. We can feel that when they come into the room. We can feel when they're really happy, when we experience them, and it doesn't even have to be a laugh or a smile. We can just tell the warmth coming from them. We can feel each other because we are electric beings. We have the ability to sense because it's a part of our makeup. It's kind of the, the software that lives inside of us. But guidance, you know, I want to go back to this whole idea of guidance. In the work that I do with soul technology, I talk about the inner teacher. And what I mean by that is that all of us know the words intuition. We used to, in the old days, we used to talk about it as being the sixth sense. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about that inner knowing or the inner teacher, we are being spoken to by that inner teacher constantly, sometimes all day long, and we don't really hear it. Some people usually notice it when they're not in touch with it, that is. After something has taken place and they had heard the still small voice say, don't do that or don't say that or don't go there, and they did, and then later when they did go there, they realized they've made a mistake. And they'll go like, wow, I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. That's the inner teacher speaking to you. Right. So as we're feeling our way through racial healing work, we need that inner teacher to come online to really guide us as to what it is to um, move closer to each other, how to do that. Um, I'm not talking about political correctness here. I'm talking about genuine connection here. And you can't make a genuine connection unless you are actually in the field, the energetic field, that the other people in the room or the other person in the relationship is sharing with you. And you will each need to read that energy and know how to proceed because of it. That's why I want inner teacher, um, shall I say, the influence of the inner teacher to be in racial healing work. Because other than that, we're going to be looking at lists. We're going to be looking at, you know, what somebody else says that we should or shouldn't be doing. We're going to be recreating the old constructs. We're going to try and legislate things. 
and they're just not going to be real. And then when they're not real, they fall apart. So that's what I would say about that. Why racial healing work in the soul needs to be married. I love that. I have a question though, because I hear what you're saying and it's exciting to think of having that opportunity. But unfortunately for me, and you know, a lot of the women listening to the show are, you know, white women and they're not in a marginalized community and they might not have a lot of opportunity to sit with women of a different race. You know, it's really interesting when I moved to Orange County, somebody asked me, how I liked it. And I came from Chicago and I said, I really miss black people. And I felt like Mm. kind of silly saying that, but it's very vanilla where I am. And it's, it's actually kind of hard. I I actually see, um, you know, other races every once in a while. I'm like, God, I just want to be your friend. Like I just want, because it, (laughs) I want to, I want to experience somebody else's experience through them, you know, but it's kind of hard when you are a bit siloed out and there you don't, maybe you don't have as many opportunities as you would love to be able to sit with somebody and feel through it and be vulnerable and learn from each other. So do you have any advice for people who might be in a geography where there really isn't much cultural blending going on. It's really just your own race. I do. And here it is. You are empowered to go wherever you like in life and to encounter whoever you'd like to encounter because you can make the choice to do so. Now, so here's here's something that's really interesting about how we've been conditioned in this country, the United States of America. We have all experienced that kind of fragmentation and and siloing of groups of people. You know, I'm over here, you're over there. The black folks live here, the mm-hmm. white folks live here, the people of Mexican or Latin descent live over here, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Mm-hmm. That's actually conditioning. And when we want to do something in life, we can go outside of that conditioning. In fact, we do all the time, especially as empowered women. So when we talk about, for example, breaking the glass ceiling, just bringing that in for all Mm -hmm. the women that have gone forward in their life and decided that they were not going to accept what the world has said that they can or cannot do. It's the same with race and the racial divide. You don't have to accept what the world says you can or cannot do, but it requires effort. It requires intention and it requires follow through. And so... If you are in an environment, for example, I grew up in Detroit, and so I grew up with only Black people around me. So, and that's not the makeup of my friends and those people that I associate with and and the way that I do business and so on and so forth. So how has that happened? It's because I've made the intention to go outside of what was seemingly normal in my existence and made something new normal for me. And we all do that constantly. For other things, you can do this for racial healing as well. Mm-hmm. So just know that. Empower yourself to make change and then proceed to do it. So being really tactical here, <laughs> kind of annoying. Um, but <laughs> so when you say, you know, make the choice to go into other areas, I does that mean, you know, obviously spending time in other communities, but it feels like there's still a bit of a gap between spending time in communities and actually being able to make personal 
connections. Maybe it's through technology, right? Meetup or whatever to try to, there's ways we can figure it out, I'm sure. But I think for the purposes of the people listening today, it's like, okay, well, I can go spend time in that community, but I don't know that I can walk up to people and ask to talk to them or be their friend or start to forge some sort of relationship. Well, okay. Let's go back to what I said a few minutes ago. You can feel it Mm. when it's right for you to do. Mm -hmm. So for example, you and I met in a group of women. There were several women that were in that Zoom room with us. Yep. And you had a sense that there was something else that you wanted to do with me besides be in the Zoom room that day. You felt it. Mm-hmm. And so you proceeded to act on that. That's why the inner teacher or the inner knowing or your intuition is important in this work. So I may show up at an event. In fact, I have shown up many times, Elizabeth, at an event, and I've been the only black or brown skinned person there, or one of few. And literally, um, I can remember being in an environment where there was maybe over 100 people, and there was three black people in the room, right? I mean, that's happened many times. Um, And so I then have to look to that sense within that I'm talking about to guide me as to which one of those hundred others or 97 other white-skinned or white-bodied people I'm going to gravitate to. And it happens all the time. I mean, it happens so often that I don't even think about it anymore. And I think the same things happen happens for the white-skinned or white-bodied folks too, who gravitate to me. Somebody will come up to me and say, oh, I like your yellow blouse or whatever it is that they say. But what they really know is that they want to talk to me yeah. and they can feel that they do. And so the yellow blouse is just the way that the opening starts. So again, there is is some proactive requirement for you to actually take the steps to go outside of what it is that you typically do. Yes, this is true. But once you're out there, you could just depend on your inner knowing to guide you as to who those individuals might be. And there may be one in a hundred. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Or it may be that you go the first time and you don't feel it at all. You go back again and you'll feel five people that you need to gravitate to. So just trust that if it's your intention, that it can work for you. And I believe that it will. It's worked for me for many years now. And so I'm almost wanting to guarantee that it'll work for you too. Well, I love that you said that because I don't want to look like some crazy white woman who's just like what randomly walking up to people. But I feel that when we're out, I'll, I remember once I was at a cafe for lunch and there was this black woman sitting, you know, we, I mean, we were wearing almost the exact same outfit. We, you could tell we lived in the same area and she was by herself and I was with a couple of girlfriends and I was like, ah, oh, I so badly just want to like go over and ask her if she wants to sit with us because, but I'm going to look like a crazy white woman doing that. And she's going to be like, who is this chick? I don't know her. I don't want to do that. You know, like I'm, I don't want to be your token black friend. You know, like it, all of these things started coming in my mind and it, you know, it caused me to not act and go over and invite her to join us because I just assumed she wouldn't want to. And in my mind, a lot, at least the people that I associate with are like desperate for more black friends, more 
Asian friends, more Hispanic friends, um, because maybe it is because we are in kind of like a white desert out here in SoCal. But I just never really know if my soul is going to overcome my rational brain, which is worried that I might (laughs) come off as crazy or, you know, have the, the opposite effect on that person than I'm intending. Well, okay. Yes, that all makes sense. (laughs) And of course, it's reasonable that you say it. But you got to recognize as well, Elizabeth, that your soul and your rational mind are partners. Mm. You have two sides of your intelligence. Remember I said that? So they're working together if you allow them to. So here's what I do. I mean, and, and we can actually have fun with this too. I might walk up to somebody and say, especially you said that, that you had an almost the same outfit. I might walk up to that person if I were you. And I'd say, yeah. did you happen to notice that we almost have on the <laughs> same outfit? <laughs> and then I'd say, you know, you might think I'm crazy for saying this, but I noticed it and I felt like I need to come and tell you that. You know, it's fine to actually voice things like, you know, you might think I'm crazy for saying this, or I know it, it sounds really weird, or I hope you don't think I'm a, you know, right. uh, whatever a crazy white that woman. you might think that I am, <laughs> right? But, <laughs> right. But those kinds of openings are so realistic. They're so genuine. They're so authentic because you're thinking that anyway. And she may have noticed it too. Yeah. You know, I have you ever had that happen in other situations? Of course you have. We all have. Where we're thinking something and then somebody else voices it. And we go like, wow, that's what I was just thinking. And you tell them so, especially when you already have a connection with the person. Yeah. But we do have a connection as human beings. You see, part of what racism has done for us, and I don't even like to use the word racism because it's just adding more to that construct. But I'm going to say it this way. Part of what racism has done to us is given us messages that we believe are real, but they're not. Meaning that we are in a different group and therefore that group is not going to accept us or be able to relate to us because of the difference of our skin color or our background or our culture. When in fact, we are all human and the humanness, the humanity within us is what the resonance, what brings forth the resonance. So when you see, I've got, I remember going to the very first time I ever left the country, the United States, many, 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 many years ago, I had the occasion to go to Copenhagen, Denmark, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's all white, all white, white skinned people, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they speak a different language. And I was with a group of people and we were like a mixed group because we were on a tour, you know, like one of those group tours. But what I know, what I started to do when we went out together, because we were together, so we felt insulated because we were in a group. But I started noticing that the locals, you know, they do the same, the same gestures. They, they're speaking a different language in terms of the actual verbalization of words, but the same gestures happen. The babies and the children all do the same thing. I mean, it's like the humanity that is yeah. present in all of us was present in those people who I had never seen before on the other side of the world. And I noticed that it was something about that that really gave me a strong message that humanity is universal. And no matter where I show up, people laugh, they cry, they smile, they frown, they get upset. The babies have tantrums, you know, whatever the case may be, because that's what humans do. And uh, and so when we, shall I say, open, open a conversation or approach a person from our humanity, they will probably respond with their humanity because that's what happens with humans to humans. 
And you've seen it other where, in other places when people are like you. The same thing happens when people are not like you. Not in mm-hmm. every instance. We can't guarantee that people are not going to think that you're, you know, a weirdo or, or, or ask you, you know, why would you do something like that? It's so unusual. It's uncomfortable. Please don't come over here. Don't talk to me. I don't think so. I mean, yeah. generally speaking, the average person is not going to do that. They're going to say, wow, that's amazing. She broke the ice. Yeah, yeah. no, that's so good. And, you know, I feel like you almost need that permission, right? So I, I feel like you've given at least me that and hopefully other people listening to this episode about really leaning into that soul teacher. That's that inner teacher that is urging you, go say something, give them a compliment, mm-hmm. something like that. And then really hope that it won't come off as inauthentic, you know, or some sort of like empty compliment. It really is genuine. And so that's huge. I feel like that's kind of like a light bulb moment right there about just acting on it. And I know that in other conversations we've talked about, it's not a marginalized community's job to educate ignorant white women on, you know, how to act. And I think that my other fear was always like, well, if I say I want to be friends or I want, I would love to get coffee or something like that, they think that there's going to be some expectation to educate me on what their life is like or this or that versus it really just being a relatively colorblind friendship of like, I just see you as another woman who lives in this area and I would like to spend time getting to know you. But I feel like that's the other voice that a lot of women have holding them back from breaking the ice is I would never want the other person to feel like there were any expectations on their side to educate me about things that are going on in their community. I I get that. And I'm really happy to hear you say that. And how about you being first? So what if you said something like this? This is, you know, a script, but don't think of it as such. This is just to capture the idea. So um, you, you said you don't expect another, a a BIPOC person or BIPOC woman to educate you. So you would actually start the conversation by educating them on you. So it could sound something like this. I'm just so happy that you agreed to have coffee with me. And, you know, to get this out of the way, let me just say that when I first asked you, the first thing that I thought of is that you're going to say, okay, here's a white woman trying to be good or trying to do something to break the pattern that the, the, the divides between us are going to prevent us from connecting. Well, I want to do something about that. And I don't exactly know how. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm going to start by saying, I'm a white woman who's actually unlearning the patterns that have been given to me about what I should or should not be able to do to go across those cross divides, you know, those racial divides. And you can literally say that. You can state first, how they need to know about you, that this is your intention. You can also add to that. And you know what? I have to say, and I'm going to like laugh at myself, I really don't know what I'm doing in this, but I do know that I felt drawn to you and I want to get to know you better. So, you know, my life was such and such. And so you can just start the conversation. You can tell the truth. Yeah. How many times have you sat next to somebody on like a a long trip, like on an airplane or something like that. And something happens between you. Sometimes we don't even remember what the moment was. But the next thing you know, you've gone into a deep and meaningful conversation and you're perfect strangers. 
And that's because your humanity met their humanity and vice versa. And somebody told a truth. Somebody revealed something about themselves is usually how that happens. And that's the same that can happen here. It's exactly the same. Well, and see, you have this way of distilling it down so that it is, it's brilliant, but it's simple. And that is leaning into that, that inner teacher and that soul guidance. So I can't thank you enough for your time today. I'm incredibly grateful for your insights. Why don't you tell our listeners how they can learn a little bit more about soul technology and also just get more content from you? Okay, absolutely. So my website is actually www. I know that people don't use that www <laughs> I anymore, do. <laughs> but I love to say it. <laughs> yeah. It's soultechnology.info. So it's S-O-U-L-T-E-C-H-N-O-L-O-G-Y, of course, soul technology, no dots or no dashes, dot info, not com, but info. Yeah. And, um, and so you can find me there. And there are some things there that you can look around and see. Soul Technology is actually a seven-leveled program, if you want to call it that. It builds upon itself. And so there's seven steps to going from the beginning or entry way of seeing the world through the Soul Technology lens to getting to the seventh step, which is about realizing your destiny and why you're alive. And that's what I like to talk a lot about with people as well. What are you wow. doing here? Right. And who doesn't want to know that? <laughs> right. <laughs> if, you, if you don't want to understand the meaning of your life, don't go there. Um, we'll put a link to it that's in right. this episode so that they will not uh, go on the wrong site. We will make sure that they are okay. uh, expedited straight to you. Thank you so much, Dr. Aliyah. I really appreciate this time. And I think that there's definitely an opportunity for more discussion So I would love it if you could come back and spend some more time with us again soon. I would love to do that. Thank you, Elizabeth. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I really enjoyed it. I hope you take something away from what I've said. But here's the thing. One last word of wisdom. Try it out and see what happens. Okay? All righty. Bye, everybody. 